Ridge. Um, my name's Mark. I'm one of the elders here at the Ridge. You normally hear that a bit earlier in the uh, the service, and um, it's my privilege to bring the word to you this morning. Um, what an awesome time of worship! Really, just sense the Lord saying even before we start um, um, that He loves us. We are precious. We have we don't understand how precious we are to Him. He would pay the highest price on the cross for us. And such love does require a response, Lord. This morning we just want to come and we want to surrender our hearts to you. We want to ask you to help us to do that, Lord. Some of us feel unlovable in the room. We feel like what we can bring is so unworthy. I want to really just sense the Lord saying to you, come and bring what you have, everything that you are. You are precious to me. Thank you, Lord. Um, this morning, I am going to be speaking, speaking on eldership. And uh, if you're wondering why Joey isn't preaching, it's because he's not an elder yet. So um, your choices were Peter or me, and I drew the, the short sticks. So I'm up here. Um, if I was going to ask you a question to start... If someone bumped into you in the street and said, who's the leader at the Ridge? Um, I wonder what your response would be. I think some of you would say Joey. Um, he preaches, preaches really well. Some of you might say Mark. His announcements are as long as the preaching, so <laughs> <laughs> he gets as much airtime. Maybe it's him. And then still others might say, uh, no, those young guys are whippersnappers, still changing diapers, which is true. Um, Peter is the, the elder. He is the, he's got seniority, he's got experience, he's the guy. And, um, but I think st if I push it any further, and I know some of you are already there, you know that the answer is none of us are the leader at the ridge. In uh, Colossians 1 verse 18, it says, And he, speaking about Jesus, is the head of the body, the church. And that is such an encouragement to me because I know my own weaknesses, my own fallibilities. Um, I often feel inadequate um, to be an elder at, at this church. And I am comforted to know that Jesus is sovereign. He is the head. He is over the church. And if you turn to uh, Acts chapter 20, verse 28, it takes its... Uh, a step further when it speaks about eldership. Um, so Acts chapter 20, uh, verse 28, I would like you to read it with me, so I'll give you a moment just to turn there. Um, so Acts is New Testament, just after the Gospels. So if you see John, it's the next book on. Um, if you're reading the church letters, turn a bit uh, earlier. You're welcome to use your contents page. Don't feel guilty. I often need to do that. Okay, so Acts 20 verse 28 says this, speaking to elders, the context is uh, Paul is about to head to um, Jerusalem, the Holy Spirit has warned him of what's to come, he knows that uh, uh, he faces persecution, he's going to be ar arrested and spend a few years in prison, and he's meeting with the Ephesian elders. 
the elders of the Ephesian church, and, and this is what he says to them. He says, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. I just want to read that again because it's powerful. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. Uh, um, I see something very weighty in there and something very encouraging. The weightiness is the responsibility of the preciousness of this package um, to God. The value he mentions, if we work from the back, he says, which he obtained with his own blood. Uh, when I read that, I remembered going on a mission trip, taking a group of uh, young teenagers up to Mozambique. And the youngest one who came with us was a girl, her name was Jade. Um, and she was about 14 or 15. And her mom was so scared for Jade to come, and you know, rightly so. I mean, I was leading the thing uh, in my early 20s. And her mom was so scared to, Jade was desperate to go, so she let her go, but her mom was fearful. And, and we're packing the bus and we're leaving. It's like four o'clock in the morning. I've never driven one of these big buses before. I didn't tell her that. Um, and uh, she comes up to me and she says, Mark, this is my baby. If anything happens to her, I will deal with you ever so severely. She didn't use any bad language, but I, I got the picture. I knew. If I bring Jade back, wounded, injured, or worse, I might as well move cities, okay? Because this, I was going to have to deal with this one. And it speaks of how the love that the mother has for her daughter, how precious this daughter was to her. And when I read this, I almost could hear her voice again speaking, but the Lord now coming. This is my precious church that I bought with my own blood and you're taking care of her. There's a, a weightiness this morning as I stand before you and look at you and, and that's why it comes so, so strongly in the worship for me, God's love for you. It would almost be too difficult to accept the responsibility if it didn't say, and this is the part I draw encouragement from, I want you to draw encouragement from, where it says, in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. I'm not standing before you as an elder this morning because uh, a man came and approached me to be an elder. A man did. I'm not standing before you as an elder this morning because a team of elders uh, discussed it and uh, uh, decided together after prayer and uh, fasting, of course, that I should be an elder. They did all of those things. But the reason I'm standing before you as an elder this morning is because, and I've tested this, the Holy Spirit has made me an elder. And that is a very encouraging and empowering thing. And in my darkest place, at the toughest time, I don't lean on my ability. I don't lean on the thoughts of other people and what they think of me, and they think I can do it or they think I can't do it. I lean on this. God, you are the one who has ordained this. You are the one who has spoken. You are the one who has set uh, me apart. And I gain much encouragement from the fact that the Holy Spirit has made uh, me an elder. But 
that doesn't mean, well, if God made me an elder, then everything's just going to go hunky-dory from there and it's going to be fine. It also says, pay careful attention to yourselves and to the flock. It is possible for elders to be led astray, to do half-hearted jobs, and because of the preciousness of this package, even though we are called, even though we are empowered, even though set apart by the Holy Spirit, we need to continuously watch ourselves and watch the flock. Um, so, what does leadership structure look like in the church? And uh, we've got Jesus as the head, okay, over the whole church. But underneath that, there are still, and as we've read there, he does set in place um, other uh, structures. So, yeah, I want you to turn to Philippians chapter 1, verse 1. It lays it out quite nicely, the different things that are going on in a church. So, Philippians, that's, uh, you go through the letters, um, and what helps me, I always use like acronyms or little, I do this for my kids at school, you know, so uh, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, I remember it like that. Um, so Galatians is the first of the small uh, books to the churches, and the bigger books are Corinthians and Romans, and then, so you struggle to find those little ones, it goes Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. So in Philippians 1 verse 1, um, Paul writes this, he says, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi, with the overseers and deacons. Okay, I'll just read that again. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi with the overseers and deacons. There's a few things going on over there. We've got Jesus already mentioned as the head of the church, and then the letters addressed to all the saints. What a wonderful word. When I was doing my missions training, uh, every morning we did devotions, and every morning the leader of the training camp would uh, stand in front of us. We still had, you know, at 6 o'clock in the morning, they would wake you up, and you had to spend two hours with God um, every morning before breakfast, and breakfast was at 8. And so to make sure everyone was awake, they they rang a big gong, and we all had to assemble in the, in the hall. People, it was Pretoria winter, so people are there with like pillows and duvets and doing their best to stay asleep while they're, uh, while they're uh, present at the front. And he would always start the same way and say, Morning, saints! And you don't feel like a saint at 6 o'clock in the morning, most of the time anyway. And he asked us, he said, Why, why do you think I call you, you saints? And or how does it make you feel when I call you saints? And I remember our response was, it doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel, you know, like saints are like the best of the best. Um, we just, and uh, a saint simply means set apart to all the saints. You are all saints here this morning. Set apart by God um, to be in a special relationship with him. And then it mentions the overseers. You go, well, what is that? Well, we're going to get to that in a second. That's an, one of the words for elders. Um, it's not the only term used for elders in the Bible. I'll speak about three different terms in a second, but that's one of them. And the deacons. And again, you might be going, oh, what's a deacon? At the ridge, <laughs> so far, we haven't been very good at raising up deacons. We're working on that. Something we're discussing, praying uh, through. Uh, there's some names uh, going around in our heads, and but pretty soon uh, we will have deacon representation here at the Ridge as well. And so 
an, an elder or an overseer is a servant leader. Someone who is a leader, but we, it's, uh, the description is a servant leader. And then the deacon is a servant, but a, le- uh, a leading servant. Someone who has influence and is able to lead other people and bring them along. Um, and some of you are already functioning like that. That's why your names are popping up into our heads. Without being given a title, you're already starting things and leading things. And that's uh, uh, what a deacon means. It's a leading servant. So you've got in the church, you've got Jesus as the head of the church. You've got the saints, the letters addressed to them first. They're the most important. And then the, the, the elders and the deacons um, who are uh, leading over them. And, and then interestingly, the extra thing is, who are Paul and Timothy? So it says, Paul and Timothy, and then it, it mentions all the others. And then you've got the whole church. So this one would be the church at the ridge and the future deacons that are coming and um, Peter and Mark. And who are Paul and Timothy? Paul and Timothy were not elders at uh, Philippi. Um, they were apostolic gifts to the church. They were visiting, going on uh, missions journeys and teaching at various churches. And so we have this, it's called translocal ministry. It's not apostolic with a capital A like it was in the Old Testament. So we're not saying uh, anyone can call themselves an apostle now and thus saith the Lord and you can write it in next to uh, your revelation in, in your Bible because what they say is scripture. No, that, that doesn't happen anymore. But there are people who function in this apostolic role of traveling around, visiting different churches, uh, and serving those churches in, in various ways. And we've seen that in the last year. Uh, for us, Rigby Wallace has come from Cape Town a few times. Taryn Williams has come. Uh, they're always by invitation of the elders. And um, they, they serve the church. So these are the, the different layers that we have. Now, there are three terms for elders in Scripture. And each term is helpful to describe what they do and what they look like. Um, the first term and the one we're most familiar with is elder, right? So I always start off, my name is Mark, one of the elders here at the Ridge. And you might think it's got something to do with age, and I might be fooling you with my gray beard, um, trying to look older than uh, what I do. It has nothing to do with age. So um, Charles Spurgeon led a church um, in his teens. Um, and he had a very successful ministry. He was already preaching to thousands and thousands of people uh, in his early 20s. Um, so it's not you get to a certain age and now you, you are an elder. Um, so we've got guys as young as Joey. Joey hasn't even hit 30 yet. What are you? 27. And Joey is not an elder yet, but he's sitting around the table with the elders, a prospective elder in the future. And... Um, we're not going, Joe, you need to reach a certain age. What are we looking at, though? Why do, you th- why do you think it mentions elder? There is still something important there. And we see it in Timothy when Paul writes to Timothy and he says to him, don't, and Timothy was young, and Paul says that to him. He says, don't let anyone look down on you because you are young. And, and Timothy was in his early 30s when Paul wrote that to him. But set the example for the believers. Uh, and I haven't written the scripture down, so I'm going to get these wrong, but in faith, in speech, in conduct, in love, and in purity. It's those five. The order might be a bit off. So what does Timothy have? He doesn't have 
an age maturity, but he does have spiritual maturity. You are able to look at Timothy's life, even as a young man, and go, I can follow the way he is conducting himself, his faith, his speech, his love, and his purity. And when we're looking at prospective elders um, at the AGM in the middle of the year, we will be doing that. We'll be reviewing our current eldership. We will be looking at prospective elders. Um, and it's not a, a, an easy process. We don't just go, oh, this guy looks like he's doing well. Bring him on. Joey's been sitting around the table for a year. A year. We've gone through tons of material. We're asking deep questions of each other. And um, it may well be for the three guys that are um, sitting around the table at the moment that we feel they're not quite ready. That could happen. Um, because we're taking this thing seriously. Um, and we're looking at ourselves. And Peter and I constantly say to each other, am I still up for this? No? Do I still qualify? That's why I said I, I sought the Lord. Lord, I will resign. If you lead me in that way, I will resign. I'm ready to, to lay it down. I don't need this as an identity holder for me. You are, um, you are what matters to me. My relationship with you is what matters to me, not what people call me. And, and if I'm being honest, because of the weightiness of the job and what we've been through, I have longed to lay it down. And the response was always, who called you to this? But some people don't like us very much. But who called you to this? Did they call you to this? And I never got a release from the Lord. Never got a release from Him to lay it down. Um, so, elder, spiritual maturity. Now, I'm not standing in front of you saying I have massive spiritual maturity. I often feel spiritually immature. That's a, a regular kind of feeling for me, and I'm checking myself and going, I need to improve in this, in this, in this. Uh, when I read through the characteristics of elders, man, and part of the material we've gone through is we have to go through each characteristic, and we have to write paragraphs on how we're doing and rate ourselves from 0 to 5. I have very few fives. You know, in, in, in these ratings. And you're saying to the brothers, speak to me, speak into, you see me, you watch me. We're very blind to our own behaviors. So, you, Anita, I'm so glad I'm married. If I wasn't married, I'd think I was perfect. But Anita's very good at going, hey, buddy, the way you acted while you've been driving there is in front of our kids. It's not on. You know, and, then, and that's on the way to church. <laughs> you know, so the... It's constantly flowing through your mind. Am I up for this? Am I honoring this? God, am I honoring you? Am I setting an example, what I've just read to you? Can you watch my life? The way that uh, Paul was calling pe people to watch Timothy's life. Can you watch my life? But the encouraging thing for me is, I have had several people say to me, um, when I wanted to lay it down, I remember I was speaking to a trusted friend. And I was saying, man, I don't know if I'm up for this. This is so hard. We've had to do, I've lost so much. I've lost friends, I've lost mentors, um, my marriage uh, has suffered, my relationship with my kids is suffering, my health is suffering, the cost is massive right now. Maybe I'm not up to it, maybe, maybe I stepped into this and I wasn't. Um, and this guy was a prospective elder at another church going through the exact same process. 
And he said after a year, he realized he doesn't have the spiritual maturity. He was backing out. Man, if you'd listen to my whining and my whinging that I'm tr- trying to not bring too much into, into the sermon. He had every right in that night, after two hours of listening to me moan about all of my troubles, he had every right to go to me, Mark, poof, get out, buddy. <laughs> you, need to, you need to get healed. You need to get better. You are, not, you are not ready. But he said to me, Mark, when I look at my life, I see spiritual maturity is lacking. That's why I'm going to count myself out. But if I look at your life, I don't think like that. It's been so encouraging for me to see other people say to me, we see some of these things uh, in you. So that's an elder. What about overseer? This word that we just read about over here. An overseer is someone who has oversight over various responsibilities. Um, so the four key areas, again, I'm going to use alliteration. Hopefully I get them all. Right. Starting with D's. Hi, Livy. Right. Uh, Dada. Um, no. All right. The first one is doctrine. Okay. So uh, we have oversight over doctrine in the church. And this is important because as Paul has written in Acts 20, it says, pay careful attention to yourselves. Because, and if you carry on reading that chapter, he then warns them that people are going to rise up to lead you astray. Even from within it can happen. And so we've got to pay close attention to doctrine in the church. Things slip in um, easily, subtly. I'm not talking about obviously wrong things. Doctrine can be subtly misleading. We've just been talking about an an issue of generational curses. Um, And uh, that's something that's been taught in the city for years and creeps into the church and you end up receiving it from people you trust. And you easily take it on board and go, okay, if they say it so, then it it must be right. And, and this is the kind of area where as elders we have to continuously, and it's hard work, look at our doctrine. What do we believe? And, and, and find consensus. And we don't always agree at the start. But after prayer and uh, many discussions, robust discussions, you don't want an eldership, a team of nine guys, where one guy says something and everyone just goes, yes. Because you want, hey, hang on, what about this? And what about this? And let's look at this whole picture. Okay? And then we come at the end. And our team, I can tell you safely, it's not a yes-man team. There are lots of strong opinions, but we, we do often, by God's grace, come to a place of consensus, and we're responsible for the doctrine of the church. So if I believe in generational curses, and I did because it was being preached in my church and I trusted the leaders and the preachers, then they are responsible for allowing that in if it's inaccurate and not checking it properly uh, with regards to Scripture. And it was only many years later when, when I was shown through Scriptures that I realized, hang on, this thing I've subtly believed over a long period of time isn't exactly what's in God's Word. And so now, because this team of guys, it happened on this team where that consensus was found, I feel safe because we are willing to look at doctrine that might just be accepted over a long period of time and make some tough decisions to, because we're responsible for it. Before the Lord, one day we'll give an account. What was the doctrine that was being t- taught in the, in the church? Was it accurate? And if it's not, it's on the eldership. The next D that uh, eldership has oversight over is, um, I have written these down, so that's good, uh, discipline. Okay, so 
things might arise in the church where um, people are out of line, and, um, and often if they're leaders, it's, it has to be dealt with even more severely. And throughout my time in eldership, I've only been an elder for three years, discipline matters have come up, unfortunately, uh, fairly regularly. And you can't ignore it. Just like in a home, a father of a home, if there's a discipline issue and the father's just taking a back seat and being passive, you're not managing your, your home well. And Paul compares um, eldership to, and it's one of the qualifications, if he can't manage his home well, he can't be an elder. Um, which is why, you know, uh, you know, sit Sebastian down and, no, I don't. But I'm constantly watching, how am I handling my children how, how am I managing them? Ask Anita this honestly. I mean, as I said, Anita shoots it straight. Anita, am I managing this family? Okay, well, tell, be, give it to me. This is an opportunity to, we can work on this. Man, what a wonderful blessing to hear her say, Mark, you're doing well. I'm inviting, and she will. She'll give me the criticism. She does it. Um, the same thing in the church. We need to be responsible for the discipline of the church. Um, direction. Is the third D. So it's um, doctrine, discipline, direction. We are responsible for where are we going. And, and I hope if I said to you, what is like the main thrust of the church? Uh, you should be able to, if we've done well, you should be able to feed it back to me. Okay? You should be able to say, we know where we're going because you guys are good at showing us where we're going. We are loving up. And this is how. We're pursuing the Holy Spirit, and we've seen that happen this year. And people are starting to see things happen spiritually in their lives they've never seen before. My wife speaks in tongues now. She never spoke in tongues before. My, uh, Anna Marie shared a testimony the other day of a prophetic word coming upon her that she hasn't experienced before in a, in a prayer meeting. Um, and these might be small things here and there, but we are not stopping in our pursuits of the Holy Spirit. We are hungry for more. We are expecting more. And our prayer is, Lord, bring life here, a vibrant expression of what church should look like. Not, people shouldn't just walk in and sit and see, like, silence and uh, what is actually going on here. But there should be an obvious uh, move of the Spirit in our lives that is just uh, drawing and attractive to, to other people. Someone amongst you said, I've come to the church, and I'm staying because I see God is with them. That was the, the, the message he, he gave to one of us. I came here, and I've hung around because I see God is with them. And that's what we want people to know. God is with us. This isn't some fake thing that we believe, and it's got passed down to us. A real relationship, and he's with us. And people see that and go, I want that. Um, and then the last one is dollars. I have to use dollars so it fits my, my, uh, my Ds. But it's uh, obviously rands here. But the, the elders are responsible for um, the financial uh, affairs in the church. Now, there are people, deacons, who are more um, at the coalface of that. and have, But we still have oversight of them. So there's a couple of deacons in our church. They run with the finances. They present the financial report backs to the eldership. But the... The bottom line will rest with, um, so if we are in massive debt, that's on us. And that was a big decision we made uh, a couple of years ago. We felt the Lord was saying, get out of debt. So we did it. We made a big call and sold a massive property um, and got ourselves out of debt because we felt the Lord was saying that to us. And 
uh, we believe that's right. So I've explained elder, what are you looking for? When we call someone to eldership and you're asked to um, pray about it and uh, make comments on it, do you see spiritual maturity? Um, do, do you think this person has the responsibility to bring oversight to these four key areas? And then the last uh, name for an elder in scripture is uh, shepherd or pastor. And there's a bit of overlap between the oversight categories and the pastoral categories. They're very similar. I'm going to go over them with you now, and I've got those down in G's. But the difference is pastoral is how you do those things, the way you do it. Okay? So um, the first one uh, under shepherd is we guard, right? We guard the sheep. We protect them. Okay? Um, and it's done uh, softly and with love. If we are, um, if you go to the child analogy again, you want the child to get to a certain point for his benefit, but you can crush him on the way. And he might get to what you want him to look like, but if you've crushed him along the way, that's not what Jesus is calling eldership to. Eldership is called to shepherd and to guard and to protect. So we can protect from... uh, uh, They might have to protect from outward influences. They might have to protect from inward influences. They might even have to... An issue might rise up on the eldership team and the other elders are responsible for guarding the flock uh, because of what's happened with a certain elder. These are all ways that we guard. The, the, the next one is we guide. Okay? And you don't guide the sheep towards yourself. So it's not about the sheep coming to the elder and everything's about the elder and uh, the elder needs to do everything for the person. A good elder is guiding uh, the sheep to the chief shepherd, um, to Jesus. Um, so... We, we don't uh, want a situation where any glory is coming to eldership. We want all the glory to go to the Lord, and we should be guiding you in that direction in your relationships with him. Now, you, it's fine to come up and say, I need prayer, and to come up to an elder and ask for prayer. Um, it's, that's scriptural. But if you believe that there's something more significant about the elder's prayer than your own prayer, you've missed something very important about Uh, what we read in scripture about we are all part of a priesthood so the roman catholic church has a situation where the priest is the conduit you go you tell him everything and on your behalf he presents to god and forgives you we don't believe that when jesus died on the cross um in the temple there was various levels you had an outer court where uh the Gentiles were only allowed to be. Then you had an inner court where the Jewish people were allowed to be. And then you had the Holy of Holies, the most inner place, where only the priest could go in and only once a year to make sacrifice. They, it was so holy, if you touched down in there, you would probably die. And when they sent the priest in, they sent him in with a rope tied to his ankles and bells on his feet. And when they heard the bells, he was alive. And when they didn't hear the bells... You pulled him out. And that happened because even the priest wasn't worthy to actually enter the Holy of Holies. But when Jesus dies on the cross, this veil, and it's not at this thin little thing. It, it's thick. 
I can't remember the dimensions. Joey might be sharp on that than me. But it is, it is impressively thick, this veil, because you didn't want a situation where, you know, Sebastian's running around the inner court and there's this little thin curtain and he is suddenly in the Holy of Holies and dead. Okay? You, you couldn't easily get through this curtain. And Jesus dies on the cross and the curtain splits in two. I went to, uh, it used to be called Quigney Baptist Calvary uh, Church now, when they had the power team. Anyone see the power team? Right? When they had the, the telephone books. Anyone try to tear up a telephone book? You can't do it. It's too thick. We can tear up a page. I can tear 10 pages maybe. Um, but there comes to a point where the thickness of even paper, I can't tear. And on its own, this massively thick curtain tore when Jesus died as a symbol to everyone that it is, there's no separation now between the Holy of Holies and God's people. We can all, each one of us, come in. There's no priest to go to now, and he must first go and do some stuff, and then you'll be okay. You need prayer. Come, and I'll pray for you. And that's scriptural. That's good. But don't sit at home going, I can't bring things to the Lord. I need to. You have a personal relationship with God, and Jesus is your mediator. And my job as an elder, I've done well, if the flock know that their go-to person is Jesus, they don't come to me um, as if I'm the, the, the guiding light. It's Jesus. Uh, the third G um, is govern. And uh, to govern a church on your own is silly. And Moses tried something like that in the Old Testament. He did everything by himself, and Jethro eventually said to him, what you're doing is not, not good. It's not good that all the people are coming to you. And so the eldership should govern and uh, build up leadership. And, that, and we do that through cell group leaders. We do that through the deacons. We do that through uh, the various ministries. There are other people that, so we'll see leadership in you. And Peter's the best at this, actually being direct. Don't you think God's calling you to run with this thing? We don't, we don't want to have full control over the thing. We want you to, to run with it. And, you know, Joe last year started up a soup kitchen, lasted a few, few weeks, few months. Fantastic. She did it. She ran with it. Now, we supported her. We came with her. Um, we might have uh, used some of the church budget to do a few things. I can't remember the ins and the outs. We're not leaving her on her own com completely. But she's got a passion to be doing something for the Lord. And we, the eldership is simply governing over things that... God is stirring in the church to run with. And then the last one, I can't get a G for this one, sacrifice. So in my whinging and moaning earlier, you might have picked up a little bit of sacrifice. This thing can't be done. You cannot be an elder without sacrifice. Jesus says that the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hireling. I've got the hireling spirit in me. Lord, can I get out now? Have I done enough now, Lord? I want, to, I want to run away. The hireling runs away at the first sign of trouble. The wolf comes, hireling gone. I'm not sticking around for this. But the sh shepherd, the good one, and obviously Jesus is speaking about himself, but he's also saying eldership is going to require sacrifice. And it does. And I say that knowingly, but I also say that with increasing sense of joy because I'm called to follow my Savior who laid down his life for me. And every one of us is called to sacrifice in some way for him. And those sacrifices, in the light of what he's done for us and what he's calling us to, 
can be done with joy because we are partakers in his suffering and partakers in his resurrection. Because I'm suffering for Christ, it means that I am accepted by him and I will also be part of his reward. And that's why the, the disciples were able to be thrown in prison and sing songs all night. And we imagine them, you know, worshiping in prison there. But their head was in a lock and their hands were in barrels. Uncomfortable. All night. Praising God with joy. Challenges me. So I'm going to land here. How do we apply this to ourselves? I'm speaking a lot about eldership this morning, maybe just touching on a few things, but I don't want to leave you this morning without giving you something to take home. How do I apply this to myself? The first thing, I'm going to take you back to Acts 20, verse 28. The first way you can apply this to you is be thankful that Jesus is the head of the church and he has placed elders in uh, place over you. It's by the Holy Spirit that it's done. That helps me to trust. If it's just a random selection process or we're choosing the guys who look the best or who uh, are the most impressive in some way, I won't have too much trust. We have leaders, a massive issue with leadership trust in our country, in our world. But the difference in the church is the Holy Spirit has put these elders in place and that helps me trust. Um, the next and I'm going to close with this verse. I want you to turn to Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17 to 18. So Hebrews is right near the end of the book. If you see Revelation, you just turn back and you've got to go through James and Hebrews is one of the bigger ones towards the back. Chapter 13, verse 17 and 18. So the first response this morning is, Lord, I can trust not because these men have anything special about them, but because you are the head of the church and you place your leaders in place. And then in 17, the next thing is, it says, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. So this morning, um, I'm not punting that verse because of a power trip where I want you to uh, obey or be submissive. I really have, when I think of the ridge, I don't feel any kind of uh, rebelliousness towards eldership at all amongst us, but how can you apply this teaching on eldership? Well, if God has placed the leaders over us, and he's the head of the church, he's also saying obey them and submit to them, because they are keeping watch over your souls, and we will give an account to God. You might go, well, I'm not too sure if they're getting this right, or I'm not too happy with this, but that will be dealt with. And, and I think there's safety to, if you aren't happy about something, just like I am with Anita, we talk about it. We come and have an open, upfront, let's talk about this. And we, um, there are times when the eldership have uh, said something to the church and the church have disagreed in some way and the eldership have listened. We saw something away uh, that we didn't see it before. Last year they were going to call at SBC 
at Sterling Campus, sorry, they were going to call an evening pastor at the six o'clock service. And um, the elders felt quite confident that that was the route we were going to take. And then a group of um, congregants from the six o'clock service came and spoke to the eldership and mentioned a few concerns. And after the eldership reviewed that, we felt that they were right. And to, to this point, we have not called a 6 p.m. congregational leader on the other side. So we are not saying that there is no open communication or approachability, but it is important to check your heart. Are you, do you have a spirit to obey and to submit? And we will give an account. We're not going to get, a, if we're doing stuff wrong, we, we are accountable before the Lord. And he will deal with it. He deals with his church first. And then he deals with unbelievers. And if the church barely gets in, it says that somewhere, I should have checked where. If my own house kind of, you know, how more severely will he deal with the, the unbelievers? And the elders are going to be first in that queue. I'm not looking forward to that. But I am motivated to serve him with everything that I've got. And then the last thing I want to ask you to do, a huge application point. In verse 18, pray for us. Do you pray for the eldership? Or do you just think about the stuff we don't do right? Do you pray? I'm praying for, we are voting on Wednesday. You know that, right? Holiday, not just holiday, we're voting. Probably not going to um, see a change of main party. You know what my prayer is? Lord, may the man who is leading this country, lead with honor and love. I don't care the colors that the person wears. You can still pray even for the leader that is in charge. And I want to challenge you. We need it. Eldership is not easy. I sometimes think, and this isn't on you, because I also don't pray enough, but I sometimes think, based on how things are going, are we praying? Are people really praying? And there's other times where based on, like something suddenly happens, I go, man, I really think someone's prayed there. So God's come through because someone's being faithful. And I want to call you to that. You want things to go well around you, pray for your leaders. Pray for it in your city, in your country, in your church. Pray for us, for we are sure that we have a clear conscience desiring to act honorably in all things. Father, this morning, as we've just spent a bit of time around your word, we are grateful to you, number one, that you are head of this church. You are the one who is in charge. We are seeking to follow you. Lord, and somehow in your wisdom, you have chosen structures that include elders and deacons, and we are grateful for the men that you've raised up in this church, in SBC, and we're praying, Lord, that you would raise more up. Father, we want godly men who are going to have spiritual maturity, who are going to be able to have oversight over key uh, spiritual areas in the church, who are going to love the flock. They're just going to be a um, smell of sheep because they love to spend time with the sheep, Lord. The way that they do things would be done in ways that honor you. We pray, Lord, for wisdom for our eldership. We pray for grace, Lord, 
to act honorably before you. And we want to present this bride, the rich, sterling. We want to present them ready and pure on that final day for you, Lord. Lord, I pray that you would draw us all into a heart of prayer for our church, praying for our leaders, praying for each other, praying that we would, uh, the light would shine far. That people who are lost, there's people who are lost. Some of you this morning, you've come here, you've been dragged here, that's okay. God is able to open your eyes to show you that he loves you. Lord, would you use that, this church for that? Would you use us for that? We've got a missional course coming up, Lord. Um, Father, we just pray that your word would ignite in our hearts a passion for your name and a passion for the lost. Your Holy Spirit is with us, and you are able to use us powerfully for your glory. It's your glory. It's your name. It's your kingdom. That's why we're here. That's why we exist. May you be glorified and honored and praised and exalted in every place. In Jesus' name, amen.